I'm Flannery Maney. And I'm Amy Sudo. And this is Kingdom of Pavement. So welcome everybody to the next episode of our podcast. Today, Flannery and I are talking about all things producing in terms of producing your own content, producing on other people's content, and just what it means to be a producer on different kinds of projects for TV, film, media, everything. Yes. It's gonna be a big day. It's gonna be a, a big lot day. of things to cover, everyone. Fire notepads. <laughs> just to set the scene, we're in Amy's room and Rika's laying on the floor. Now she just got really she's, excited about My cat is laugh. gonna be very involved in this podcast. Yes, she's the character in uh, yes. episodes. She is she is very much so. And I also just installed a pole in my room, so we have a we have a guest star. I'm great <laughs> at it. We've already established. You're that. already doing flips. You've yeah. already done like four I flips. I walked in and I just did a flip in my business skirt and <laughs> everyone was happy about it. Yeah, it was great. We're, we're, she's killing the game. Not one complaint from the audience. Um, <laughs> hi guys, producing. <laughs> so um, I want to talk, I mean, Flannery is like the queen of producing oh, and yeah. like she's done a ton of really cool projects and what's really cool is Flannery is also a multi-hyphenate, so she's done all sorts of, she's not only an actress, writer, but also producer, uh, and I want to know, and I know a lot of people, other people want to know, how you got into becoming a multi-hyphenate, like how you went from acting to yeah. all of these other things and yeah. what that process was like. Um, it, it's, it's not a, it's not for the faint at heart. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot, um, but I think that it, it, in this current climate, it's what you kind of have to do. Everything feeds into other things. Like you're finding now, um, producing, you know, it, it always pushes your writing forward. You mm -hmm. know, being a writer is always going to push your acting forward and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So I was just an actress and I moved out here when I was 19 and I, I truly found that, um, my soul was empty. <laughs> and no, I mean, I, I had, I met some great people. I had a lot of good experiences. I booked my first roles on TV and you know I was excited and then I went to London and everything changed um, and I realized that I was much more interested in crafting a complete story and examining what it is that makes stories compelling because all of your favorite movies do you remember yeah you remember remember Meryl Streep as the lead but do you remember just that or do you remember the entire story that brought you on a journey and mm -hmm. that's what I was interested in and especially I took a class from Pete Goldfinger who's a really good feature um, teacher, he really helps you break it down and understand, you know, why we watch movies. Um, I went to some amazing seminars at Austin about why we watch movies, and it, you know, I went to a great, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on her name, but a seminar about relationship and how it's not about Rocky winning the fight, it's about how, you know, if he won the fight, how that means, what that means to Adrian, what that means to his coach. It's about the effect on relationships. Um, or, and I went, you know, I took Kim Kressel's class in TV. Um, love Kim. Love Kim. Shout out to Kim. Shout um, out to Kim. We're gonna have to around pavement soon. Yes, brilliant. Yes. Um, but you know, it, breaking story. What that means to have separate storylines with obstacles, and um, it just you know, I'm a little bit type A, and I've always been writing my entire life since I was a little kid. Um, it just felt like finally I had a tangible thing that I could work towards, and and build build stories, build worlds, and build properties for myself to eventually sell. And then producing came about because I wanted to start, I wanted a vehicle for not only myself as an actor, but a vehicle to make my own writing. Um, and I did get approached, but first I started doing like sketch comedy, um, bad sketch comedy, but in a, in, a, in a really fun way. I mean, in many ways, sketch comedy doesn't need to be produced. You don't need to shoot it in 4K. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you can be stupid. And my friend and I, my friend Betsy Curry, who's an amazing comedic actress, um, 
she and I wrote a, a really silly sketch called Lamilton because <laughs> Hamilton was coming to LA. So it was like her and I dressed up like men and like agents at CAA and like a boy at a sandwich shop, like all having their different reaction to Hamilton coming to LA. And it was like <laughs> some of the most fun I've ever had. Um, and you know, I did other little sketchy things uh, throughout the years and then I was approached and someone asked me, or my friend Gregory Shelby asked me if I wanted to produce with him, and my first thought was, well, I've already produced, so I know <laughs> what I'm doing, which is total bullshit. Um, <laughs> I had no idea what I was getting into, and um, that project is, is my, my time working on Throw Like a Girl will always be probably the project I'm most proud of. Rika's eating a, um, to set the scene here, Rika's eating a <laughs> the bag, bag of the wine, the wine. Came in, um, you know, she just wants to be involved. <laughs> she just wants to be a sound engineer. She to be a um, part of this. Yeah, she is. Um, but what was the moment, like, what was the project that you were like, this, was there a moment that you're like, I'm going to produce this sketch and that kind of led to everything? Um, I guess it or was it like a series of things where you just like produced it because you're like, oh, this will be funny. I'm going to produce it. Yeah. You know, I used to be really good friends with um, someone in my acting class who was producing all the time. And I, I, and I actually, there were a couple people that I met early on in my career that were producing. There was a friend, um, someone that I used to date actually, uh, that was producing a horror <laughs> film and I um, would hang out at his place and they, their whole team lived in their house and they would hmm. go out and just shoot a movie all the time. Like, every Saturday, they were just, like, shooting for fun. And, you know, they definitely live by that Duplassian, uh, you know, ideal of... I love that, Duplassian. Duplassian. Yeah, that's awesome. Shout out to the Duplassian brothers. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, no, I mean, they, they were always just kind of making stuff. And I think that was a huge turning point for me, realizing that at any level, you can just go make stuff. You don't need to wait for someone to hire you. You can make it for yourself to be in, or you can just make it because you want to make something cool. Yeah. And I think that's when I switched from being an actor to a filmmaker. Mm. And, you know, I realized what I really loved. It was kind of a huge moment, actually. Um, yeah, that's terrifying because it's like you, it, that, that career pivot, because it's like you still have all those skills, you still have all those talents, but to then have to jump into this other field, that's part of your field, but have to acquire such a huge amount of skill sets in addition to all the skill sets you're already working on and improving. Oh my god, Amy, I feel like such a fucking poser. Like, exactly. I had, mm. no, I had no idea what a line producer was. I know I knew nothing, mm -hmm. but I knew that I was going to work really hard, and that was mm -hmm. it. And that I was going to be able to, you know, fake my way through it, I guess, on my first set. But, um, no, and you knew as an actor you are on plenty of sets. So I'd, I'd already kind of, like, I knew who the director was. You know what I mean? I knew, right. what, I knew what a camera was. Um, you know, I knew that... Everything's really important on set. Just stay, stay quiet, listen, you know, keep keep a note of everyone's name, that kind of thing. Um, I remember one time on, I was it was my first time shooting a network television show on Mulaney, and someone had told me just to remember who the first AD is, and I like wrote it on my script like three times, like don't forget the first AD, <laughs> don't forget the first AD, and um, you know I ended up like it was fine, like I barely did anything, and it was not a big deal, and like now it's funny like. I always think about my first ADs as, like, the most important person on the set. Just, they're fucking amazing. Yes, and, like, yeah. I, you know, I still remember how, how I must have treated them like they were Jesus when they watched <laughs> the trailer. Like, they, oh, my God, They hi. kind of are. They keep everything running. They keep the director on time. Oh, like, first ADs are, I first, the great first ADs make all the difference. I can't even believe, I, you know, I've had many. And, I yeah, a good first AD is, like, night and day mm -hmm. I mean yeah 
um, yeah, so that's kind of that's kind of how I got started. And it, it's just all about saying yes. If you're in the position in your life to say yes to something, why not go acquire a new skill set? Because now right. at least, even as a writer, I can have conversations like, oh, you know, what are we shooting this on? Like, what's this? What's the tone? And I can discern like, okay, is this this directorial style or this directorial style? Like, how am I writing to someone's vision? And it's just understanding more um, positions around filmmaking makes you a better filmmaker no matter which position you occupy the most. You know what I mean? Absolutely. No, and even at USC, they made me take a uh, acting for writers class. Worst experience ever, but also the best because I suddenly understood how intense the pressure is in front of the camera yeah. and what actors need from everybody else on set mm -hmm. and kind of what that's like. And I kind of tried to take that and use that like when I was making my own series and producing my own stuff because I think you're a better producer when you know what your actors need and can kind of make sure you create that space for them to give the best performance. Yeah. And so it's like, and that's why I also think that what's really cool what you're doing is coming from the actor's perspective you know exactly what they need and you're able to kind of duplicate that as a producer and then as a writer and and knowing all of these roles gives you more power in every single one of them 100 yeah and especially coming from coming from acting to writing and continuing to act now how i break down a scene is if i'm doing a character you know before i would just study my character my character mm -hmm. now i it's so important to understand why your character is in this freaking show like mm -hmm. what what do they do to the plot what do they do to the stakes of other characters what mm -hmm. do they do to the obstacle and i think um you know understanding kim's method of setup switch arrow of a scene right mm -hmm. you um there's a power shift in the middle of every scene and understanding where that is, and like, it, does your power, like, does your character lose power or gain power? Do they get closer to their goal or farther away from their goal? That alone should be taught to actors. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to understand your stakes in the scene and how you're um, servicing the story. It's not about you. Definitely. Yeah, and for those of you who don't know, Kim Kressel is an amazing writer in our writers group. Kim We're going to put a little link to like her a, a page about her classes that she offers. She's so good with yeah. structure and story yeah. and just breaks things down. And I, her notes on my stuff is always phenomenal. So we, we love her to death, along with everyone else in our writers group, of course. But um, Kim she runs has classes a class you can actively take so that you, you can should. take, whereas everyone else, we hoard. <laughs> we hoard their time and we <laughs> you can go pay them lots of money too at some point when they're running their own yep. classes but there she's Kim Kim is like one of our one of our, the many talented women we're lucky to have in our lives yeah so and on that note Amy so specifically for writers um you just produced a piece of your work tell us about that process and why producing is important for writers yeah so I wrote this pilot three, two years ago, um, based on my hometown, this little town in Arizona called Anthem, which is half suburbs, half wild west, where there's a perfect planned community with like, uh, gorgeous, uh, houses that all look the same right next to a rodeo and cowboys. And I wrote this script and I've been kind of sharing it to people and it got me a bunch of jobs, but I can't really show people the feel of this town without shooting something there. So I had a lookbook that I'd gone out and taken pictures of the town for uh, to share with people. But what was really important for me was to also shoot a sizzle reel, which we just did. Um, Michael Edwards was our um, director and helped produce. Uh, Idalia Valles was our actress. Uh, and then the two of them just brought some really incredible talent and brought this piece of work alive in the environment that my story exists in. And 
it was so cool to finally watch it because I saw my world come to life, both the place where I'd grown up and then all of these characters that I had created within the town. And I learned so much about my story and like where I want to go with the series and was able to showcase the series in a 60 second sizzle reel that I can send to the executives that I'm having meetings with and being like, this is the series. And it's going to be so much stronger than just pitching them and being like, mm. there are horses and rodeos and gunfights in the Starbucks and somebody trying to get their horse through the drive through that and did not happen it did those things yes happen? these are all real things that, that happened in the starbucks when this happened uh i was not no um but it's just a, like a really weird place and i can't do it justice by just telling people about it mm -hmm. and because tv and film is such a visual it's a visual medium mm -hmm. it's so much more powerful to be able to show them if you're able to um like actually show people what this world is on screen. Yeah, and I think that's um, specifically because it's a look. The location is so important, and so sp it's the most specific part. Oh, sorry. Cat, holding cat, the cat. Cat, cat, cat is biting things. Biting things. No. Um, Rika, come here. Come here. She's like a. She's just me. so. <laughs> she hates people. So that's kind of incredible. Wait, really? Yeah, she I does. I had a tuxedo cat growing up. Aww. Maybe she's my cat reincarnated. Um, <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, uh, I was going to say, you know, like, um, um, Bloodline is so... The Florida Keys, I believe it's the Keys. No yeah, I think, I think it is. I think it is. You know, it's, it's such a pivotal aspect of that show. and almost plays a character in itself. And, and similar with Anthem, the juxtaposition between the two halves is, is crucial. And I think I would argue that sizzles are important anyway. Like a show like Broad City, um, just because I can't stop watching Broad City, I'm, I'm finished <laughs> now, I don't know what to do with my life. Um, uh, you know, their relationship is the entire show. And like that female relationship is beautiful. And um, oh, am I allowed to spoiler? No, I shouldn't say no. spoiler. I mean, the end of the show, I, it's not a specific spoiler, yeah. but the end of the show is just a bunch of other friends walking around New York like in pairs mm -hmm. and like having silly stupid conversations like Alana and Abby would have. Yeah. What I love about it is it's it pointing to the fact that the show is all about friendship and mm -hmm. all of its weirdness. Yeah. And I just think it's not really they're in New York, yeah, but it's about mm -hmm. them too. And I think, you know, showcasing their chemistry on camera would be amazing for us as all similarly to showcasing like a location because yeah. we have something that's just I think sizzle's good for literally any show definitely and I think I was just talking with somebody today about how web series have kind of gone by the wayside because if people want to watch things online they'll just go on Netflix yep. uh, and so instead we don't really like people don't really recommend to shoot things anymore like web series wise Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, and instead, it's better to shoot like a sizzle reel, which you can shoot in a weekend, which mm -hmm. we shot ours in like a weekend with a few extra days of like principal photography. Yeah. Um, Unless you want to make a web series. Yeah, if you want people to, do, totally. And you can get distribution, but it's also like, if you want to pitch it for a bigger thing, I think a sizzle is the way to go. Yeah. like and, It's and less time. It's less way less time, way less money. So if you don't have like spare like thousands of dollars laying around to like shoot a high quality Which web series. Which some of you do, we know. So if you do, and if congrats. you do, subscribe to payment <laughs> to be a payment patron because, you know. Yes, a dollar a month minimum. Yes. Oh my God, a dollar. <laughs> You spent you spent three times that on your latte at Starbucks. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and it's just like it's so. So if you want to make a web series, go for it. But it just feels like there's no, there's not that space for like indie digital as much anymore, which is kind of too bad. But at the same time, a sizzle reel is a nice 
in between where you could go shoot something, you could just see part of your project come to life, but you can use it as a selling tool to be like, this is a greater project, especially if what you're writing is site-specific and visual. So, and then the best way to, as writers, because we don't often have producing abilities, we need to team up with other people, um, like Flannery. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I, I had a little bit of producing experience back in school because I went to USC and did a bunch of web series and had um, done like two seasons of another TV show. So I like had some minor indie producing experience, but um, if you really want to partner with people who know what they're doing, like Flannery. <laughs> I don't know if that's the way I describe um, me. Um, yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah. I think um, specifically, like, I've noticed the longer I've been just presenting myself as a producer, not even, like, look at my stuff, blah, 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 like, mm-hmm. just going to film festivals, presenting myself as a filmmaker. And introducing yourself introducing as a filmmaker. Introducing myself and collecting people who I think are amazing. Now you're going to me. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I was taking <laughs> pictures of Amy that entire <laughs> I'm just getting revenge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, now that... Um, I've, I've just been talking about the fact that I want to keep producing stuff. Um, I've, um, I've made a huge network of people who are just like, hey, I'm free on Saturday. Do you want to shoot? I have a grip truck and a camera. Do you want to make something? I think, and also the more people you can collect that want to make for, want to make things for the purpose of making things mm-hmm. and making art, those are the people that matter. You know, if you have someone who is super connected and rich, totally. But I also think, like, there's a lot of people out here who won't work for free. I know a friend, I have a friend. Yeah, we should talk about this. Yeah, we should talk about it. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, no. This, I mean, like, it's, I think it's important because in, in film school, everybody yeah. worked for free because it was film school and, like, we occasionally pay people if we, like, if they were, like, bringing their own makeup for makeup kits. But yeah. at the same time, it's, like, it's really hard for people who come out here with no, I mean, most of us are poor. So how do we make things when we can't have funding? And like we have to find other people who are willing to work for free. So what are your philosophies? I think this is really fascinating because I think it totally depends person by person, project by project. But like, what are your philosophies when it comes to if you like, like if you have a budget, what do you allocate it for? When do you ask people to work for free? What do you, what are your thoughts on kind of that? Um, my thoughts are incredibly, incredibly conflicted <laughs> because on the one hand, like many of my friends, um, stay really, really tried and true to, you get paid your rate, you get paid your fucking rate. And especially for a lot of female friends who get undercut constantly with their wages, I tell people if I refer a friend and they're going to work for their rate, I say, you don't undercut her rate. You pay her her rate. You know, that's, that's important to me because if you want that, if you want to get paid your full rate, and most people do, you should stand behind that. A lot of people, though, are in different positions. Me, for example, I have four day jobs. So there's, you know, I, I have the flexibility to be able to work for free. And I'm not saying don't pay me if you can pay me. But I'm saying if it's a project that I believe in, I will work for free. And I have and I will. And, you know, there, I, my... It's, it's a total negotiation with the individual. Mm-hmm. If you look at somebody and say, you should work for my project because it's worth it, fuck you. Because, you no, know, that's not for you to decide. That person is weighing, well, that means less time away, away from my family. That means, um, or that means less time with my family. That means less time relaxing. That means I'm not making my own stuff. Um, I've been uh, not paid and very, very upset about it. I've been not paid and been totally fine with it. I've been overpaid. There's, you know what I mean? I think it's Mm -hmm. a really personal experience. And for me, as far as allocating a budget, I tend to splurge on the editor and a DP. I think those are the two most important positions. Um, If I can, uh, you know, usually though, I have 
I'm very, very lucky and I have amazing people who I can usually fill the roles of scripty for AD, um, any of the roles that aren't director, you know, they're not like the tippity top of, they're, they're very important. It's just, you know, I will tend to pay for ADP and I have a friend who's maybe more free who can, and I think also being a scripty, there's a wide, you're not gonna have a reel for being a scripty, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? There's a wider group of people who can be a scripty, um, Whereas a DP is a more is a very personalized position that has a lot to do with the aesthetic of the film, mm-hmm. um, how your set's gonna run. That's all about your first AD. So I think both are very very important. But you know, there's some differentiation there. I think hiring really fucking good PAs is important. You know, we had I had some issues on one of my shoots where PAs didn't show up, and it's just one of those things where like then I was wrangling forty extras by myself, mm-hmm. and it was it was a really tough position that I was put in, but it was my own fault for not hiring people that I knew were going to be reliable. So, um, that's kind of, that's kind of how I feel about it, but I, it's, it's really tough. And I, I think if you want to work for your rate, you have to understand that sometimes there's jobs that won't be able to use you and you like understand and understand where they're coming from and it's nothing personal. Um, I think there's a difference between someone's trying to underpay you because they don't, um, think you deserve it. There's also, uh, you know, sometimes that happens because they just, something happened with their cash and, you know, <laughs> there's, it's not in the budget currently, um, but they believe in your work and they want to work with you and they're going to negotiate and there's no harm in asking, but if you say no, you say no, if you say yes, you say yes, so, but it's a very touchy thing, especially yeah. in indie filmmaking, it's, it's, I, of course I don't like anyone working for free, but. Yeah, no, definitely, and I think it's, I think it's tough because if you don't go to film school and you need experience and you're trying to find experience that you you kind of working for free is part of that learning how to get experience and then like you said if you're working for free you're able to do a lot more creative interesting projects that can't afford you if you are you know if you're asking for a rate Mm -hmm. and I think that's really tricky because it's yeah it's hard because it's like we all have our time is one of the most valuable things that we have to give but at the same time if you value the project enough that it's okay to work free I think that's okay but I think you have to know how to sustain yourself and and to take on corporate projects that will pay you really well and then save some of your precious time to either work with people you really believe in and projects you really believe in. So yeah, it seems, it's very tricky and very tough and like as a freelancer, like Mm -hmm. I know how important it is to ask for your rate when you can, but I also know how important it is to volunteer your time for like things you believe in. You find worth it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like even today, just like I was like, I'm volunteering on like a, I'm I'm part of the executive board of the Women of Cinematic Arts, but I believe in our mission and I believe even what we're doing for USC women alumni and so it's like finding those things whether it's projects whether it's producing projects whether it's other things that you are willing to give up your time for and mm-hmm. but also being very choosy and selective about it so yeah. it's tough yeah and there's another way to do it and I, I this is how I feel about writers group right mm-hmm. you get 20 minutes and you really dive in your stuff and then you devote two, two hours probably to everyone else's work mm-hmm. so it's a trade-off yeah. Um, you know, I've worked on sets for people for free. They've worked for me for free. Mm. Um, it's a really good way to build your network of people who will pull favors. And, you know, I know a producer who works entirely that way. And I think that's just a that's really good way to really do it. That's really smart. That's really smart. Like the, instead of trading money, trading labor. Yep. Because especially we're all poor because we're all artists mm-hmm. and we're all kind of like 
figuring it out on our own instead of saying, if you work on my film, I'll work on your film. Yeah. I think that's actually, there's something really cool and special about that because we're all trying to make it and we're all trying to make cool mm -hmm. stuff and, mm -hmm. and being able to offer that trade-off yeah. is really cool. And there's a flexibility in that. Like, I've actually known a couple people who refuse to do that. They're like, no, I want money, that's it. And mm -hmm. I, I totally get being in that position. But yeah. at the same time, like, you're showing me that you don't, you have no desire to be flexible in any way. So mm -hmm. when you need something for me, it's like, of course I'm going to try, you know what I mean? But at the same time, it makes me think twice about, like, am I going to be flexible for you? Am I going to move my work shift so I can work your set for free when you didn't accept, you know, I will all pet sit for you instead of me paying for photos. You know what I mean? Yeah. Things like that. Um, you know, it's a, it's a complicated thing. Mm -hmm. But um, I do think, like, try and be flexible with your friends. Try and be courteous and, mm -hmm. like, understanding of their situation. And yeah. I know that it's important for you to get paid, but at the same time, it's important for you to show that person that you're going to be there for them. And yeah. I'm not saying don't get paid. I'm just saying, like, this is a industry completely built on relationships. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, and also that's why we have day jobs, as we <laughs> talked about in our last episode of the podcast. Mm -hmm. This is why we have so many day jobs because yeah. we're paid for our labor on these things that are like just day job stuff. Yeah. And then we're able to use our free time to donate and like invest actually no invest in the projects and the people that we care about invest is a great word yeah because mm -hmm. we're investing in these it is all about who you know and who you're willing to put favors and time yes. in for and it's like I feel like all of the people who put in time on my sets at USC like just for free as students or as people who are we're not students but still have volunteered like in the future, I will, like, lay down my life for them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I will do anything for anybody who's, like, worked on my sets for free when I was oh. a student because I'm just, like, I will – you you gave me your time and I will do anything for you. So I feel like yeah. there is that reciprocity that is so and ingrained. And friendship. And you know friendship, I mean? like, yeah. Like, people you go – I mean, being on set is, like, going to fucking summer camp. Yeah. It's a lot scarier, but <laughs> it's, it's a lot higher stakes. And it, it's, it's stressful, it is, but still summer camp, yeah. It's still – I mean, we're not carrying kids here, even though people act like it all the time fucking time yeah like, you know what I mean like it this is fun we're yeah. making films together this is supposed to be a blast and yeah you know shooting throw like a girl on location was so fun yeah there was lots of drama about like room arrangements and like <laughs> you know production of <clears throat> me fucked up like where everyone was sleeping and so they'd like rearrange it and everyone had their own opinion whatever we still all had a massive sleepover you know what I mean like several nights in a row yeah. and there is something so fun about that and the people that I um, worked on that project with I still hang out with all the time and mm -hmm. I feel like they're a little family and it, that's just that's irreplaceable definitely and I think that's super important especially as we're all rising in the ranks mm -hmm. like when we finally get budgets to like spend on people to hire we'll remember those people who were in the trenches with us having those sleepovers with us and be like yes they were really great even when I couldn't pay them a dime mm -hmm. and they're going to be the people that we're going to hire first 100% so yeah, I think it's just investing your time in the right projects, which is really cool. Um, Flannery, though, I would want to hear more about kind of the work that you do for writing people's reels, writing material for people's reels. Yeah. Which I think is really cool. It's, you know what? I'm great at it because I spent so much time trying to decide what I wanted on my own reel and helping so many other actors in my acting classes decide what they wanted on their reels. So yeah, talk a little bit about like the importance of getting for actors to have like a good reel and kind of like what kind of things that you offer in that respect. Totally, yeah. I think you, I mean, if you go to Leslie Kahn or any of the other local studios, they'll, they'll sit you down and do this. You basically type it yourself. 
-hmm. A really fun game is if you sit in a chair and you have to be totally silent and you have your entire class write down words about you, adjectives. It's so fun. Oh, I did this once. Yeah. yeah. It's a very common like acting class game, but yeah. you learn so much about it. And not only that, but you get the weirdest shit. I used to get like pet secretary and like <laughs> like shy librarian who really wants to bone in the stacks. Like things like that. Like they were like phrases and they were like longer sentences and I just realized, wow, people see things so much more specifically than we think. Mm -hmm. And I my biggest advice for your reel is play that game with your friends. See, like pay attention to what you book, what you get called in for, and then pick three characters that are already on TV that you would fucking nail. Mm -hmm. And then just change them a little bit, change a scene. You know, if you do a ton of like um, testimony, you know, like like office style comedy, right? Um, talking heads. Mm -hmm. If that's what you want to do, if you're like an Angela, you know what I mean? Write a role for yourself that's so similar. Literally take a scene from the office, change the names, change like the specificity of it, and there you go, mm -hmm. and shoot it. And you know, again, like you can reach out to friends that you know who are producers who are shooting. I just, my friend Olivia's real a couple weeks ago, just ask people, all you need is a camera guy. That's mm -hmm. it, camera woman. That's yeah. all you need. And you're you're in. And find some friends, give them some beer, and there you go. You have a reel. But I think, yeah, I mean, pay attention to the, the specifics. And then you can find writers who, um, like for me, I'm doing someone's reel um, that I just got today. And it's just, she's not paying me, but I need new stuff for my reel, for mm -hmm. my writing reel, to, to show, like, you know, the only thing I have is the short film that I wrote for my friend Colette's Real. Mm -hmm. And two months later, she calls me. She's like, it's made. And I was like, what? I forgot about this. <laughs> and an Oscar-winning DP directed it. Wow. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> what? That's not what you expect when you just, like, pull a favor for a friend. Yeah. That's why we pull favors for friends, right? <laughs> yeah. all back to my same. It all connects. Same. It goes yes. all the way to the top. Anyway. <laughs> so, you know, I think... Um, you know, in this case, yeah, I, I, so I want more stuff to show my writing in on screen. Mm -hmm. And so I'm writing this one's real. It's going to take an hour. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And I'm going to write her three specific scenes. I haven't met with her yet, but we're going to grab coffee. I'm going to meet her. I'm going to, and because I, I've been an actor my entire life, I can mm -hmm. pick up on those little, like, details that she's going to lay down, even as a person, that I'm like, oh my God, you'd be so funny as, like, you know, a secretary who has terrible OCD. Mm -hmm. You know, and I just think that's, um, I love character analysis. Writers love character analysis. I think that's a great, it's a great collaboration opportunity for actors and writers. And I think that's really cool that you're taking, you're producing skills and your writing skills and applying them to a whole another aspect of writing and producing and getting your work out there. And I think that's so important to be crafty about, oh, this, you know, this person needs my help and I can do them a favor and then also have something for my reel and finding ways to help your friends and help other people, but also continually to build your own portfolio and yeah. I think that's really smart. Yeah. And there there are places you can go to for the actors out there, um, you can hire people to do your entire reel. It's a one stop shop. They have writers they use. They will help you find costumes, help you cast it. They'll do everything for you. Mm -hmm. I would encourage you to not do that because you know yourself more than those companies. They write the scenes for you. Mm -hmm. But I would encourage you to find a friend who knows you well who's a writer mm -hmm. and ask them, hey, like, I'm trying to write. I want, like, a rookie cop scene. I want um, a mistress scene. And I want a um, intern scene. And can you help me write all three of these? And literally just find comps and, and work with that person and then you can produce it yourself. I promise you, this used to stress me out so much is trying to produce my own reel before I was a producer. Mm -hmm. You can do it. Yeah. You can produce your own reel. Just shoot it in your apartment, 
shoot it in another person's apartment and then mm-hmm. shoot third scene like splurge and like pull a favor and get some sort of location it could yeah. be outside you know whatever it is and then you just need a sound person and someone to run camera and that's it your friends yeah. will act in it for free and we live if you live in los angeles you can throw a stone and you'll hit a dp that is really talented yeah <laughs> like there, there's so many talented people that live here and exist here that you could just like find somebody to help you with this yep met an amazing dp today he's shooting our film for free next week because brie acted in his film for free So here we go again with the favors, and I can't even tell you how much stress it took away from everything. The fact that he just wanted to be there because he wanted to be there. Mm. He was so excited. He even stayed for, like, talks about props and costumes, which he didn't need to be there for. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to because he's excited. Like, that's, it just really, it made my heart so warm that he just wanted to be a part of a creative process. And that's, this town is full of people like that. Definitely, and, like, I, I totally am going back to, like, we want to invest in people we care about and do things that we love and, like, get our day job situations in order so that we can do all this, which mm-hmm. is a struggle, but still important. Absolutely. Um, but, Flannery, I want to know more about, so, I want to dive into your projects. Uh, we just went to your movie premiere, uh, Beyond the Cracks, at Film Independent <laughs> in downtown, which was amazing. So, I want to hear about that, and then I also want to hear about Throw Like a Girl, which we... Uh, we did a Q, you did a Q&A for yeah, yeah. on our website. So I want to hear about both of those things because I think that's, it's just, you're doing a lot of, you're killing it with all of your projects. Yeah, and we just had one to go up, um, Scars, the psychological thriller that I produced last year as well, which is up at Dances with Films. So that was my first sort of festival run. And it premiered at the Chinese Theater, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it did. Yeah. It was really fun. Um, I, all three films are in, they like all finished at the same time. I don't even know how that happened, but mm-hmm. I produced three films last year. Um, not even any at the same time in three in a row, and then they all finished and post at the same time. So it was kind of it was kind of a weird experience. But now they're all going along the festival route together, so it'll be nice. And hopefully there'll be crossover of like them getting to the same festival, so I can draw just, just for two hop tickets between one just screening hop, and the like, other. Absolutely. You're like, who who is that producer on like four panels? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, no, I mean it's it's a weird. It's a part of my life that I've always. I don't know why. Since I've, even before I knew I was going to be a filmmaker, thought of myself at film festivals. I don't know Mm. why, Mm -hmm. um, but I truly love them. I went to Sundance last year. The experience at at a film festival is like, we've all gone to camp for nerds together and it's like totally cool to talk about your film and like talk about everything film related and not have to apologize to, like, the guy you're on a date with who works in medicine, who's like, um, yeah, I don't know what that is, but cool. You know, it, it's just everyone gets it, and it's yeah. so fun. And I just think um, I'm really excited to start that process with um, Throw Like a Girl. We've already done – we've already submitted to a handful. We're submitting to, like, every single festival because mm-hmm. um, we're really proud of it. And I think, um, you know, I saw the final cut last week, and it's just um, beautifully shot. You know, we had a great director. We had a great DP. Um, and you know, it really, it really makes me emotional watching it (laughs) because it feels so, um, because I remember every second, like everything I see in that film, I'm like, oh my God, I remember designing that entire room Mm -hmm. with the production designer. It feels like I, it feels like I had my finger in like every pie in that film. So it just felt deeply personal seeing it come to life. And of course I don't think it's perfect. You know, nothing, we're all still kind of learning as we go. Um, but it, it's a really inspiring story, and I, I'm proud of the message that it sends. Um, 
And what was that shoot like? You guys went to San Diego to shoot oh that? Oh my god, that shoot was insanity. Yeah. Um, it was a really hectic shoot, I will not lie. Mm-hmm. It was three days, um, which is nothing, you know, but, but just the amount of, like, things that kind of happened last minute were really overwhelming. Um, be, leaving L.A. is t- always tough because you have to coordinate everyone out of town. So mm-hmm. there were people in San Diego that we'd hired to show up that didn't show up. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of miscommunication. There were quite a few extras that I was sort of in charge of wrangling and you know I didn't always we didn't have a person in charge of props and costumes on set Mm. that was me um but when you're dealing with several people playing baseball players they have belts they have shoes they have pants they have jerseys they have hats they have bats they have gloves like there's so many things that each person needs and they all need a specific size they all need a specific if they're a first baseman it's different you know whatever um, and I was in charge of literally every single one of those pieces. Wow. Not only that, but I was in charge of literally everything else on set, getting all the crafty there, getting everyone there on time. I was the only person with the radio in, um, communication with the camera department. I was the only wow. person, um, in communication with Nye, who was our amazing first AD. Um, you know, it, I was like literally in charge of making sure everything was happening on set and I mm. barely had a PA. And that means, like, lugging humongous cases of waters by myself, humongous everything's by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had a line producer. She was amazing. But she was, you know, dealing with, like, paperwork and contracts the entire day inside. So it was, it just felt, I needed, like, 10 PAs. And I had, I had some amazing um, volunteers, though. Mm-hmm. Um, Aki Augusto and Jane Hare was our amazing scripty who, she, she's just, Jane Hare, I don't know how to describe her. She's just like a perfect human. She's a producer. She's brilliant. Mm-hmm. And she's so generous. She like has worked for free on so many of my projects. She's been mm-hmm. an executive producer on so many oh, of my wow. projects. You know, giving her own money and time to these projects. And she's just a perfect human. But um, she was our scripty. Mm-hmm. And so she was great. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and we had um, Diana Zollicoffer, who, who was one of our EPs who came in was a PA. So we had these amazing women who were all like, let's do this thing. But it's also, like, they're my executive producer, so there's a certain level of, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to go do that shitty task because I'm not going to make Diana do that. But I needed a PA. Like, I needed somebody that could be like, hey, this is happening over there. Please go fix it while I'm, like, on the radio talking to Nye. So it was was hectic, and it was my first time doing it. Mm -hmm. So um, I can't even tell you the amount of moving pieces. I mean, we forgot her cleats. We had to, like, run home and get the cleats and, like, it was just, um, I will never do it that way again, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. And you can only learn this lesson once. But, I mean, the amount of things that I could have done if I had known what I was doing beforehand, it would have been a completely different show. And the issue is just that, you know, Gregory was acting in it. He wrote it. He was he had to direct for an entire day. Oh, wow. Um, he was way too strung out to even be like, oh, my God, Flannery is so strung out. She needs another person. She needs me to tell her mm-hmm. these are the things we need to do. Like, he, like I needed someone to be in that position of, because I was new, of, like, here's the things that you didn't think about to do. No one was in that position. Yeah. Because Gregory couldn't be. 
Right, so, and that's so tricky because it's like every you don't know how much help you need until the day of. One hundred percent. And you don't know what you don't know, and going in, and the you, it's also hard because you don't want to ask too many people to be involved if mm-hmm. you don't, if everyone's working or most people are working for free. So it's like such a hard struggle oh to like do so many roles and think you can do it all on your own, and and struggle through that and still make a really awesome film. And yeah. like, which now you guys like, did. Sleep on a couch. Yeah. Three hours and then get up and have to look at the shot list and like mm. fix the things that didn't happen the day before. Mm-hmm. We had keys go missing. We had like several times throughout the shoot, we had keys go missing. It was so mm. weird. Um, nothing was where it should have been. Um, oh my god, Rika looks so cute right now. Wow. Wow. <laughs> she just likes eating. Girl, you stuff. model. She just she just likes eating all the things. Um, but it, it was a dr- it was a drastic difference from Beyond the Cracks because Beyond the Cracks was so easy I mean was that a one-day shoot it was a one-day shoot Mm -hmm. um Daniel was it was his first time directing Mm -hmm. he wasn't acting in it and I think that made all the difference and Mm -hmm. he um it was it was it was an easier shoot on all levels I mean it's it's a an 11 minute film and he could throw the girls 15 Mm -hmm. um which beyond the cracks beyond the cracks is contained so it's just one location pretty much exactly or three for the you know it that sounds like not that big of a difference. It was a huge difference because yeah. also our original um, time for the cut time was like twenty minutes, so it was like almost double beyond the cracks. But um, it basically, our fantastic line producer Heather Heather Chaffee has done this so many times that she literally did it her entire job and my entire job. Mm. She had everything on set taken care of. All of the crafty was there. Everything was perfectly timed out and scheduled. She had every prop right where it needed to be, every piece of clothing right where it needed to be, every actor where they needed to be, every crew member checked and accounted for. She was just fantastic. And I think just because it was such a smaller shoot, like on a big, if she'd been on Go With a Girl with me, it would be no question. It would have been easy peasy. Mm-hmm. But it was like, I, it was like she was my clone. Like it was amazing. That film shoot was amazing. And I just showed up and did what the UPM should. And I was just, you know, unit production manager. I was just in charge of the production, and that's it. Like, I just kept everything moving. And I got to, you know, be involved with the creative on the day instead of running around insanely tired and, like, Mm -hmm. sprinting between whatever we're doing, you know. Um, So I think it's just – you're always going to have a different experience. Every set is a different experience. And um, Scars was definitely somewhere in the middle between the two. And I think, um, you know, just be – be be kind to yourself. You know, there was a time when I asked specifically for from the caterer um, to follow a dietary restriction, and they they didn't. Mm. And I almost poisoned our production designer on oh, set, no. who was also the first AD. Oh no! And I'm the way that I am, a perfectionist. Beat myself up for the entire day, mm. and then after the day was done, I literally finally was able to be like, "That wasn't your fault." You're fine. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's just like be kind to yourself. It's not nothing ever is ever gonna go right. Like always just be prepared for the emergency and you'll be okay. Totally. Yeah. yeah, and kind of going off of that, like I'm curious kind of about the different producing roles. I think a lot of our listeners are too, because it's just it's hard when you're brand new, especially if you haven't gone through film school. And even if you have gone through film school, because I still don't know <laughs> the difference between all the different producing roles. Were you a film major? 
Uh, I was a screenwriting major, but we had to take a bunch of film classes. Oh, cool. So we had to actually produce stuff on a low key level. Um, but I, I think it's still hard to figure out like difference between line producer, UPM, like all of those different producing. And then I feel like it just, every role feels different from film to TV. And as a yeah. TV person, like all writers also produce. Mm -hmm. So the lines just feel so blurred across every single medium and form. So would love to hear more of your experience, like what kinds of producing that you've done and like what kind of roles yeah. and responsibilities for each. Um, recently I was an associate producer, which was an mm -hmm. amazing experience and I've always kind of felt, oh my God, look at the cat. She's so cute. She's, She's sleeping. She's so cute. She's all curled She's up. She's just like ready to snooze. Oh, stop. She's and in like a, the most, like the least comfortable bag <laughs> on the most comfortable In fact, surface. I'm just going to take a picture and include this in yeah, the, and the on our podcast page. Wow. On KingdomKingdomKingdom.com. Look at that. She's just snoozing. Oh, um, <laughs> so I've always, you know, we've done crowdfunding campaigns and basically a great way to get people interested in wanting to invest in the project mm -hmm. is by having them donate a certain amount, which gives them an associate producer credit or a, a you know, um, like special thanks in the, in the end credits or on IMDb or whatever that is, um, whatever that may be. So I've always kind of thought about associate producer as like, oh, well, that's just kind of like you can buy that, you know, mm -hmm. um, whatever. I recently did it for my friend Jane Hare. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was a great gig because not only did they pay me, which is like so kind and I would have worked for free because Jane works for free for me all the time, but, um, I just checked in all the actors. I kind of kept everything running because Jane was acting as the first AD. So I kept all the like production world running. I kind of combined UPM and, and, um, associate producer into one, mm -hmm. but essentially like an associate producer really isn't supposed to be like producing on set mm -hmm. you know what I mean but I was I was kind of there for for low budget anyone does anything first yeah. of all oh yeah my EPs on those girl acting as, as PAs mm -hmm. so that's you know um but you know that's what I was doing on on a lower budget but on a you know associate producers in the writer's room are like or in on TV are like it's like the lawyer that worked as a lawyer forever and now is on a show as a writer they're an associate producer because they're giving like practical knowledge and motivating the room with mm -hmm. that practical knowledge um, but let's see who I'm, so that was a really, really fun gig. Um, I, on the indie side at UPM is just like in control of whatever, like the line producers above the line. Like, I don't, I've never really known like what the line means, but like, yeah. above the line is like this, the like fancy people and below the line is like the date you pay them the day rate. Like yeah. anyone above the line was involved with the project for like months mm -hmm. and years potentially based on yeah. the project. But Below the line is like you're hiring them for the day, you're paying them their rate, and they're like on the project for the day. I think. Because the UPM is usually just hired for the day. Yeah, that, that, that sounds right. I took a budgeting class that I immediately dropped because it was too much math. Well, <laughs> but I think that, that, sounds, like that sounds right. Two years from, and I still don't know the exact rule. I went to like the world's number one film school and I'm still not entirely <laughs> sure. That's why people listen to podcasts. You get like slightly fake news. Yeah, slightly <laughs> fake news. So listeners, we don't entirely know, but this yeah. is what we're Take guessing this from with our a experience. Grain of salt. I'm not promising to be accurate. I'm just promising to, you know, comment on this people, cat. That's people, so basically people 
people who produce are problem solvers. Yeah, yeah. That's why, yeah, we got, your problem is you don't know, we're going to tell you, but if we're wrong, we're wrong. Yeah, um, and, like, what I love about indie, like, indie and low-budget stuff is, like, everybody's doing everything, and yeah. it's, like, such a team play. It's, it's like all hands such, in. Yeah. There's no sitting back when you're doing an indie production. There's yeah. just no, yeah, why would you want to? You're not doing an indie production because you're, like, medium about it. You're yeah. You're doing it because you want to do it, and you want to be, want to make an amazing film. Right. Um. So, yeah, executive producer's person for the month that provides the funding. Mm-hmm. So, like... Or, you know, it's, it's a celebrity that you get attached and they're, like, the name on it, you know, mm-hmm. and they also maybe provide the funding. Um, uh, next would be regular producers or produce. There's a difference between produced by and a producer. I don't want to talk about it, though, because I'm not clear. <laughs> I'm not yeah. positively sure. And I think it's tricky because it's, like, movies are different from TV. Yeah, yeah. Because, exactly. like, for TV, all writers are, not all writers, but. Writers are also writers also produce like they go to set to produce their episode. Yeah, and then you also have the producers that are non-writing, so yes. non-writing EPs um, who are at the production company, and then there's like then when the when you come to the writing hierarchy in a TV room, it goes from staff writers, st- story editor, executive story editor, uh, I think producer, co-producer. Uh, executive producer, some some something like that. I'm missing a few steps because I'm like two yeah. glasses of wines in. No, wine in. that was um, two glasses of wines. <laughs> well, two glasses of wines. Clearly, I am definitely. Yeah, I had. I remember when I used to work at an agency. I had like a little pyramid of like the hierarchy of a writer's room. Oh, so yeah. you get a different amount of money depending on what title you hold. Yes. And you go to set to produce episodes on some shows, but not others. Mm-hmm. And so it's just producing on TV is so different because you're expected to be on certain calls about costumes, about tone, about like tone meetings and, and costume calls. So it's like for TV, it's also a hands-on deck, but depending on like what your showrunner sets the tone for. And then it also depends on your level and like how much experience you have. And it's just like, it's so complicated mm-hmm. in terms of, especially if you're just getting started, like we are in this industry and like looking at all of these people that like I've worked for before and like watching the hierarchy of the room and who gets to go to set and who doesn't depending on the show. And mm-hmm. so it's just, it's a lot and it's complicated and different titles mean different things totally. on different shows. Totally. So it, Producing feels very arbitrary, but basically you're a producer if you solve problems on set. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like. Absolutely. Or if you donate money slash are a like, non-writing producer and like help solve problems in another capacity. Absolutely. Um, did we cover all of them? I think so. And then so below, yeah, below the line are people that, like a genie team and I don't remember if a DP is below the line or above the line, but I think director, above. director's above. Yeah, DP, I think it's like DP, writer, director are all above the line. And then I'm not sure. I think line producers also above the line, line because they help above. with budget. Yeah. Um, UPM's below. And UPM is below. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then all your other, like, PAs and, and um, people like Camera, that Camera, DIT, and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So we're experts, and that's what we know. Um, <laughs> let's see. <laughs> this is this is us sharing our, our expertise. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Amy, what was it like producing your web series back in the day? Uh, yeah, so I produced I produced two seasons of this web series called Antidote 15 that were just for fun, me learning how to produce. And this was in my sophomore year at USC. I decided, I'm just going to produce something. And I just decided to do it. It was the scariest decision of my life because up until that point, I was just a writer. I did not want to produce anymore. I had done a bunch of short films in high school, but I decided I don't want to produce anymore. I just want to focus on writing. And then I got the producing bug, and I'm like, I'm going to do this thing. So I shot and produced and wrote and also edited 
two seasons of a web series and then from there I also um, produced and co-show ran and co-wrote uh, the series Con, um, which we talk about a lot on here because it's so close to our hearts. Um, that was nominated for two college television Emmys and one Best Drama and Best Actor at the Miami Web Fest. Um, and those were my experiences producing back at USC and they were really lovely because I learned how to work with bureaucracy and I learned how to work with a, a huge team of people and learned how to budget and we just learned so much from that process and how to create a good onset environment and try to be as professional as possible with like zero dollars like oh, we yeah. were we were even though like we had like an IMAX premiere and like we got like had a whole like we had over a hundred people involved between the two seasons from alumni or from people who had graduated and current students at USC, which was crazy. But at the same time, it was like still a student project, so we were in that, like that safe haven mm -hmm. of USC, which was really great. Did and they then, provide you with like cameras and things like that. No, we oh, had to. They were great. very stingy. They were so stingy. Honestly, haters, but good. <laughs> which is good. We learned how to be scrappy. Absolutely, that's what you need to learn. Yeah. Like, no one's gonna give you a camera in real life. You know what exactly. I mean? I mean, well, actually. I have one on Friday, but yeah, but you have to that those connections. You have to build those connections in order to totally. get those things for free, or you have to build those connections to get a discount, or you have to buy your own, or figure out a friend. You know what I mean? Like you have to be scrappy in the way that you're going to find your equipment. It's yeah. not always going to be that it's available to you. And we even learned how to work with like a team of producers who helped us get free Chipotle, free like all yeah. of this free crafty, and like learned how to get resources and fight against security who was trying to shut us down and we learned all of that um, and then I took a break and a hiatus from producing my own stuff because I was once again focused on writing stuff um, for several years I was like working my way up in the assistant ladder and then only recently did I go back and like help make this sizzle reel with an awesome team of people back in Arizona so it's nice to jump back into that but at the same time I'm reminded how hard it is yeah. <laughs> like how impressive it is like that you can do what you do and like like other producers enjoy this work because it is so time-consuming it's all about solving problems it's all about critical thinking and I love that but it's also just it just takes up every bit of energy yeah and yeah. I think it's hard because like as writers we want to write mm -hmm. um, but as TV writers we have to both write and produce and be in rooms and all of this stuff. yeah so but I yeah. also think there's a there's brilliant examples of um, you know like the women behind teachers mm -hmm. there's two women um, they uh, on TBS or TV? I think it's TBS. TBS. I think it's TBS. I think it's TBS. Yeah. Um, but they had like a web series that they produced. It was really, really short form content. It was like a minute long episodes. And mm -hmm. I went to a seminar with them, and they are incredible. And they were just like, "We're not getting the roles we want. Let's make something." And that's, I think, out of frustration, mm -hmm. you get to this place of like, "I'm just gonna dive fully into this other pool." And I'm going to completely create something, and it's going to be mine, and I'm going to put it out there. Mm -hmm. And those women sold a show because totally. they did that. And I think the way to sell a show and to take seven steps forward is to fully commit. So, like, my goal right now is because I am a multi-hyphenate and I want to do all three, mm -hmm. is to write something that I act in, that I produce and make and then put out there. Mm -hmm. Like, I can do one thing, have one focus that's going to service all three of my hyphens at once. Mm -hmm. And that's a really exciting thing. And I think... Like, it's almost harder for people that are one hyphen mm -hmm. because you just produce and it's a tough, it takes time away from your writing in a way that doesn't make you feel great, you know? And not that, I bet you'll produce in the future, I have, I have a theory, um, <laughs> I think you'd be a great, you know, but I know some friends who like, they jump on a friend's project to produce it and they hate it because they just don't see the forest of the trees. They don't see how this is going to like 
further their career they're doing it for experience rather than like this is going to help my thing that I really want to do and I think understanding that it's a full it's a totally engrossing process but I was able to make peace with it last year because I spent the entire year writing scripts and like increasing the number of my samples and producing films none of that stuff was acting none of that stuff felt easy it was such a long game process for both and, um, but I saw that at the end of it, I was going to have a ton of producing experience to the point where I can just make my own shit whenever I want. And not only that, but have a lot more samples to be ready for getting an agent, be ready for getting a manager, be ready for staffing. So I feel really good about last year, but boy, am I ready to make some shit quickly and get it to places. Like I need to put stuff where it needs to go now. I have everything. Definitely. Need to deliver it. Yeah, and I was talking with a uh, good friend and longtime listener of our podcast, Dave, this week, who is a fan. Dave! Uh, hi, Dave. Hi, Dave. And he had, a, we were talking a lot about this week about um, the idea that everybody in this industry is standing in line, and the, the line is never moving, and the only way that you can move forward is if you skip the line, jump out of line, or have someone pull you out of line. And in order to do that, you either need a mentor or a person or your own projects or some special thing about you to skip the line. Otherwise, you'll be standing in line forever waiting for somebody to save you and either the mentor comes along or you work your way out of that. Yeah. And like I think that's so poignant because and he comes from the tech world and I think it's really that's fascinating. Great. You just blew my just, mind with that. It Amy. just makes sense because it's like we're all waiting in line and we all think that we're going to be discovered, but in reality, if we don't have money and famous friends or family, mm-hmm. we have to either make our own stuff or yeah. find powerful allies or a combination of both. Because guess what? The gatekeepers are not sifting through the line. They're mm-hmm. inside of the club already having Yeah, fun, right? Exactly. Once in a while, people like Imagine Impact, the guys behind Imagine Impact, they'll go out in the line and pick a few people to come inside. Right. But that's, you cannot wait on that luck. Yeah. Because the likelihood of that happening, like, do all of the things. Submit to all of the fellowships. Do Imagine Impact every single fucking time they do it randomly in the middle mm-hmm. of the year. You know? But... Mm-hmm be making your own stuff like you have to set yourself apart and that's the only way whether it's a fantastic script that sets you apart whether it's a film whether it's a web series whether it's a play Mm -hmm. my friend just wrote a my friend is a a phenomenal comedy writer she just wrote a play called Lincoln 2020 it's going to come to New York pretty soon but it is so fucking funny and she's gotten she just told me the other day she was like I'm not really doing fellowships this year and I was like why and she goes, because my stupid play has gotten me more attention than any of the fellowships. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, yep, of course it is. Because yeah. you're actually putting something out in the universe and asking people to come enjoy it. And mm-hmm. I just think, you know, create, create, create. That's all you can do. Yeah, create and get stuff out there and get stuff seen. Because mm-hmm. if, like, you have ten beautiful scripts waiting in your desk drawer, but you're not getting them out to the right people, you have to find other mm-hmm. ways. of Make a sizzle. Yeah. Have a table read. Yeah. Um, send them everywhere. Talk about them wherever you go. If you're worried mm-hmm. your idea is going to get stolen, it's never going to be heard. Yeah, definitely. And, like, we both of us are doing, like, all of this crazy stuff. Like, you're doing a table read for your upcoming pilot. Like, I teach yoga for writers and, like, weird, like, meditation circles for, like, other creatives to get to know other people. Like, we're both doing a million things, and it's just we're part both of... We're both dance yourself clean. Yes. So we can, like, meet other people. We'll <laughs> just dance ourselves clean. Mostly that. But, like, having, like, living a full life and, like, finding ways that make you unique and getting out there, like, it's all part of the process. And what's unfortunate is, like, it's, it's hard to do, and most people don't 
realize how hard it is, mm-hmm. but we all have to we're, we all have to kind of do like throw things at the wall and see yeah. what sticks. And don't be afraid to produce things that aren't typical or aren't perfect. Like exactly mm-hmm. like, but Amy just did an article with Pavement a few months ago about immersive theater. That's something that people couldn't even wrap their brains around until a few years ago. Like that's oh, that's a way of producing. Um, I produced a play. I assistant directed a play a couple years ago. Um, it just in this little theater in Hollywood, and it was a really good foray into film producing. It taught me a lot about time management and how to manage a bunch of actors and how to deal with the location and the ticket sales and all of these things and. It's a really good way to learn a skill, and not everything needs to be, you know, if you're, you're worried about, like, oh, I don't have a way to produce, ask around. There will be a way, um, mm-hmm. whether it's a podcast or, you know, there's just, there's just so many, there's so many forms of art now. You know, I think it doesn't necessarily, you don't need to go on set for 15 hours to feel like you're a producer. I think there's plenty of things that you can work on if you have a full-time job, you know? You can write a blog. You can, um, you know, write a novel. You can, you can do a podcast a, after work. You yeah, can you can shoot, shoot a, a short film in a weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my friend is a composer that I was like, I want to make funny videos, like, on my iPhone. Yeah. And I'm like, do it. Vines <laughs> are like, a big deal now. And I'm like, no, do it. <laughs> if anybody has not seen Old Town Road, but, like, all of the remixes and that, like, Twitter meme that is going around, you need to. And, like, those things, like, people who make TikToks and all these, like, weird, interesting forms of media, like, they're yeah. getting attention, too. And, like, there's so many more forms that are emerging, and it's, like, produce something. Pick mm-hmm. something. You don't have to have money. You don't have to have influence. Just make something. And, you know, the best advice I ever got about producing, um, I went to a Reiki, which is crazy. I did, too. I, oh, We right. both went to Reiki Healing. Reiki Healing? Yeah. Yeah. No. Yes. Did you, did you get weird information for your Reiki? Uh, it was a very strange experience, and I'm, like, in the yoga community, so it should have been less strange. It was you great. You tell us right now. It was just, like, at, at the beginning, they really, like, set our expectations for, like, this is going to change your life. You're going to see visions of yourself, and, like, you're going to feel, like, the Reiki practitioner across the room, and then, like, I didn't feel that way. It was a group? It was a group, group Reiki. Oh, that's really different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I went to a Reiki as a complete skeptic, and I got it as a gift card, mm. but it was my friend's friend. Like, she just works out of her place, right? Uh-huh. And I went all the way down to San Diego, and I was going through a really tough time. This was right before I found Rada. Like, this is right before I went and had the most life-changing experience of, my, in, oh, of wow. my life. And I went to this Reiki, and I was like, I'm miserable, and I don't want this to work. Like, I felt that I didn't want it to work. I was like, mm-hmm. fuck this. This is stupid. Mm-hmm. And I went in, and not only did she, so it's like they put your hands over you because mm-hmm. it's feeling the like motion of the energy through your body. You know, something that sounds ridiculous to me. Um, but, but you do feel it. You do feel you it. You feel it. Yeah. It's warm and it, it's weird. Um, but she started like on different parts of my body. She could feel my ancestors, and she would name them by name. Wow. Like your, there's a woman named Anna. Um, and she's your great grandmother, and I'm like, of course, her name's Anna Ecker. Wow. And um, <laughs> uh, sorry, this should, Amy, Amy has an anchor uh, speaker, and I noticed earlier. Anyway, so she um, uh, she died really young because she worked her life away, and at that time in my life, I wasn't sleeping because I was working so much, and oh, I wouldn't wow. sit on my couch. And she was like, you need to slow down, or you're gonna die. She like told me that. Like, she said, Anna is telling you that. And then, so she also said, um, she's like, I don't know why, but 
you're going to travel and you're going to do theater. And I was like, what? No, I'm here to do TV. I'm here to, I'm in LA, baby. Like, I'm not leaving. <laughs> Fuck you. A month later, I applied for, I applied, um, actually, you know what? I applied before and I forgot that I did. I never thought I would get in to RADA. Mm. I went, I got in a month later. Wow. I was traveling doing theater. That's and then, incredible. I know. And the huh. last thing she did, she was at like my, my collarbone or something and she said, Flannery, it's really important that you write a Western. Hmm. Ooh. <laughs> it's really important that you write a Western and you're going to do it for yourself. Not for you to act in. Do it for yourself. Because Westerns are really important to you. And I was like, I was like crying. Like I'm, wow. I'm going to like get emotional now talking about it. Wow. Because they, they were. And I used to watch them with my grandpa. And this is the beginning of my pitch for Outskirts always. It's like I used to watch Westerns on a little black and white TV with my grandpa. And I always wanted to be the John Wayne character. But I never felt like I could be because the women mm. were always just damsels. You know what mm. I mean? So that... Um, Actually, it was crazy that she knew that, but this, that script that she told me to write that day has been my, like, most... This is a script that everybody freaks out about. That, that mm. was the beginning of my writing career. It was the beginning of any legitimacy I've ever had in my writing career, that wow. script. And so that Reiki was a huge turning point. She really told me the two things that have been probably the most pivotal moments in my career. Wow. And, um, yeah, so I will never forget that. But the thing I took, really, really hold on to is the do-it-for-yourself. Find the thing you want to produce and do it for your goddamn self. I don't want you sitting there being like, hey, what's going to sell? What am I going to make that's going to be like a YouTube hit? It's going to be interesting if you're interested in it. Interesting people are interested. Yeah. Like, find something, that a Vine thing that you think is fucking hilarious and make it and don't expect anyone to watch it and keep making more. Yes. I mean, I think that's kind of a little bit what we're doing at Kingdom of Pavement. We're doing things that we're passionate about, mm -hmm. that we hope that you guys enjoy, but we also, we're doing this a little bit for ourselves because, like, we want to share, like, the creatives that we love, and we want to share these really cool people with you, but we're also doing it because we just are so passionate about this, and we are doing it for ourselves as much as hopefully you also get value out of it, but, like, it's so important to be personally invested, mm -hmm. getting back to, like, investing your time in things that matter to you. And things that, yeah, things, that's the key word. Things mm -hmm. that matter, it's a key phrase. Um, because I feel a little icky when I have to self-promote for acting, writing, whatever it is. But because pavement isn't really about us specifically, it's about us as a community, like the mm -hmm. other artists that we push forward. Anytime I talk about it, I get, like, a little, like, glittery feeling in me. Yes. Like, hey, I'm not being gross. I'm just talking about something that I love and I think is beautiful and, like, yeah. brings better things to the world. And, like, that's a really exciting way to feel about something. And, right. and you know, if you produce a film, that's how I feel about talking about a lot of my films at festivals. Like, it's this little flutter. And I'm like, I love, I'm proud of this thing and I love talking about it. And I'm, and maybe it's not your thing, but I, I made it and here it is. And it's a really good... Um, way to feel about something. Sorry, I just had to plug my computer in. Or holding for plugging, holding for um, <laughs> plugging my computer in. I want to hear Amy because I have this like weird feeling that you're gonna produce in the future. Do you have anything on the docket? Uh, I really, I mean, I really want to come up the TV ladder and kind of learn how to produce on TV sets. But I'm also. I can't really talk about it on the podcast, but I am doing some, I'm like working in some different spaces other than TV and hopefully we'll be collaborating with some new people outside of the TV world in some really new and exciting projects that we'll see what happens. Um, 
but I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of like breaking some boundaries and and trying out some new mediums other than TV. Definitely so. porn. <laughs> Definitely. It's 100%. Um, Breaking boundaries. Uh, if, 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 like, yeah, I mean, mom and dad, if you read my LA Times article about um, being bisexual and pole dancing, and if you weren't disappointed by that, wait until you hear <laughs> what's next. He's writing porn. <laughs> I was listening to this My Favorite Murder today about um, these two porn producers who wrote this movie behind the green door and it was like apparently amazing and it totally changed the porn game and now I like really want to watch it because it's like an old time porn it's not gonna be like the same as porn now right right I don't know but it was apparently like people would go in the theater and like watch this together that sounds amazing can you imagine that Amy I cannot just like that party in Berlin (laughs) (laughs) you can edit that out (laughs) you can keep whatever in yeah but like (laughs) I love that. I, anyway. I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, oh, I have two things. Yes, tell Flannery, tell us about your upcoming projects. I know you just, uh, Thrill Like a Girl was a final in Final Cut. We obviously went to your awesome premiere of Beyond the Cracks. Um, everybody, you can stay tuned with this. Make sure you're following Flannery on Instagram. Yes. yes. Um, we'll link to everything in our, like, show notes and, and on our website, kingdomofpavement.com. Um, but Flannery, tell us about what's next for you. Um, two things. Both of the projects are, like, zero budget, which is a freaking phenomenal feeling. I can't even tell you how happy I am. Um, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's just, I'm working with filmmakers who already have, you know, one, um, Gavin Michael Booth, he's an amazing filmmaker. Uh, his film Last Call just made huge strides at Dance of the Films, and it's going to be all over the place. Anyway, so he had a grip truck and a camera already available, and he was like, what do you want to make? And that kind of mentality and spirit behind filmmaking is not being so precious that we need to spend eight months creating something. I'm, like, all about it. So we're shooting that on Friday. Yay! Yes! And then um, our friend Brie Vernicki and I, we are um, doing a Julius Caesar scene um, I'm playing Brutus and she's playing Cassius and it's the, the one where Cassius is trying to convince Brutus like no it should be you not Caesar mm. and I'm really excited about it and we're having you know I'm going to ask my friend Olivia to play um, Caesar and she's like having a um, a baby shower party so she's like, everyone's like it's all these ladies being like oh my god Caesar and like we're in the back like plotting to overtake her wait I love this yeah I'm so excited about it it'll be released on pavement when we're done but yes. we had an amazing meeting this morning we were at the shot list with our DP and we have an we Bree's house is like stunning we're doing mm-hmm. it we're doing it there um shooting in her backyard so it's just it's a really lovely feeling to be making something of a high caliber and a high quality in stories that I think like should be told mm-hmm. um and you know, a lot of times I see films, and I'm like, why do they make that? I don't know why. Like, not that not that I'm knocking anyone's project. It's just, like, I can't, I don't connect with the message they're putting out there. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not always an aspirational message. Sometimes it's a horror film, but, like, it affects you in a certain way. And sometimes these stories, I'm like, I don't know. I don't see why. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's something that I think is the most important thing to me. Mm-hmm. This is just a personal thing. But, like, I need to, I need to... Specifically, and I, I will say, like, in my career, I haven't always followed this rule, and that's why I really hold true to it now, is you need to understand why you're making something, or else you're going to be miserable in every stage of production. Right. Yes. Yeah, because we're, we're spending so much time on everything, and it's important. Um, but anyway, since we're we're heading into the end of the year, or the last six months of the year, not the end of the year, we have a little bit of time left. Um, we're we wanted to talk a little bit about like goal setting for the rest of the year. Obviously, we have a bunch of projects and they're in the works. But what are like 
the three things that I want to know from you are what are your kind of major goals? What's a win for you that you've had recently that you're really excited about? And then what's one piece of content or something you've discovered that you're also just uh, jazzed about? Ooh, I love this question. Um, and then we switch and you answer too. Sounds good. Um, okay, so goal-wise, um, I want. I have a lot of content. I have a ton of samples that I feel really confident about, and I have a lot of. Um, I have a nice, really beautiful producing reel now. I want to take that shit and push it to the next level. Like mm -hmm. show people, like mm -hmm. reach out and like literally just business admin for the next six months. I have been shirking it because again, last year was such a huge building year. So now it's about getting that stuff to the right people, um, pitching things, getting my scripts read getting a team behind me, um, you know, gearing up for, uh, which brings me into my win. Um, I can't really talk about it yet, but there's a major project that um, I'm going to get paid to write a novel. Um, so that's been super exciting. Um, and that's, you know, why I want, I just want to take it to the next level. I want to feel like I'm really legitimate professional in this field and I know that sometimes even people at the tip tip top like don't always feel that way but I I want to feel really confident that like I'm doing this I'm getting paid to do things and I'm a writer I really want to bring it to the next level yeah so that, yeah when is is getting paid for writing and yes. um the one thing I'm excited about is um my friend invited me to beach volleyball a couple weeks ago <laughs> and I'm like not a good beach person. I've never been, I'm so pale and I am like very intensive at sunscreen. And the thing is, every person I've ever been to the beach with wants to lay there <laughs> baking in the sun. And I like hate that. That's mm -hmm. like my least favorite activity. If we're gonna go on a run along the water, totally. If we're gonna splash around in the water, yeah. If we're gonna play football, sure. Finally, I found something to do on the beach besides be anxious about being on the beach, <laughs> and that is beach volleyball. And it's super fun. I was actually kind of good at it. There's like a tent, so I have like some safety, right? Nice. So I like feel okay, but it's just a really, really fun group of people. Most of them are artists, and it just feels like the one day of the week that they all kind of just like take half the day off and have fun and, you know, be together. And it's just a really, really fun time. So, and usually I'm used to. You know, for the past three years, I've worked on Saturdays for, like, the entire day. And I've been switching some of my shifts to work Fridays so I can just, like, give myself that time to go drive to the beach. Nice. And That's awesome. So it's important. We live, we live so close. You're right, Amy. I just said I live so far <laughs> from the beach because I live an hour away. But, but other people still... live states away. So. Right, yeah. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> Jerk. Yes. All right, Amy, goal, um, win, something you're excited about. Uh, so my goal for the rest of the year, uh, I actually have a whiteboard with the goals. I have to read 100 books by the end of this year. So How I've got, many have you read? Uh, 16. That's amazing. <laughs> That's, I'm so far behind. Like I've been, I have like a pile of uh, unread New Yorkers. <laughs> I've got to catch up on because I've just been so far in script land and trying to finish all my scripts and rewrites. Um, so I've got a lot of books to finish. Uh, I have another pass on this pilot that I'm working on. Uh, I just turned it into writer's group, a bunch of friends, to my managers, and got really great responses. So I'm working on a new rewrite of that. Uh, and then I want to work on my novel. Um, I want to do some travel. So I've got like a bunch of different things that I want to do. I want to be able to do like cool pull tricks. I want to be able to do handstands. I've got like so many different goals I want to finish by the end of the year. Um, 
but my win recently has been finishing this new pilot um, that I'm so excited about that I've been working on and I, it came out really fast and I did a research trip in San Francisco for it so it's just been really lovely to live in that world and do that trip so it's like the, the feedback I got from that was so effusive and awesome and productive and so I'm excited to finish a new draft for that um, and grateful to everybody who gave me great thoughts. Uh, and then the one thing that I'm excited about is travel and taking more time to travel. This year I went to New York and DC, um, San Francisco, I'm going up to Santa Barbara tomorrow uh, and then I'm gonna go to Berlin in a month. So it's going to be, it's nice to kind of get out and travel and see the world and I feel like that informs so much of our storytelling and what we're doing and I'm lucky to be able to have like freelance work and like things that allow me to work remotely and travel and um, yeah, so I'm excited about that uh, and excited about Kingdom of Pavement and excited about what we're doing. So yeah, um, is there anything else we need to, to chat about or are we? Golden, and we're golden so thank you everybody for listening uh as always if you appreciate the content we're putting out um maybe consider donating uh at our patreon a dollar a month is always appreciated and if you donate a little bit more you get more exclusive content so consider kind of checking out our different options on patreon we'll leave a link um of course we appreciate every every amount of support whether it's sharing or donating or anything we love just listening or just we're here just to make cool stuff, and we hope that you um, like listening to cool stuff, because we certainly do. We do. <laughs> um, thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody. Good night.